And now the scariest thing we could muster. <sighs> Somebody wants to. Okay. Is getting that song stuck in your head? And now it probably is. It's a is. cold place, and they and, say it gets colder. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Party of Two podcast, right here, wherever you may be listening. I'm one of your hosts, the Internet's Mark B. Donica. And I am your other host, the Internet's Andrea Donica. If you clicked on this without looking at the title or the probably very well-constructed thumbnail on YouTube, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't know that we're going to be talking about Trek 4D also known as Shrek 3D, also known as the Ghost of Lord Farquaad. Well, I mean, we're going to be talking about the 4D version because that's the actual attraction. And we thought, well, we, want, we wanted to do uh, an inanimatronics. It's October, so spooky times. And what's spookier than one Shrek, two ghosts, and there is a pretty big ghost and a, an executioner guy in our good friend Thelonious. That's true. That's true. And the other interesting thing, too, about this ride is while it is pretty old and it is an inanimatronic at multiple parks, uh, it is still living on uh, as a bit of a ghost of its original self in uh, other locations. Still, it's still just kind of hanging Orlando around. Orlando and Singapore? Yeah, if three parks. Then Japan, is, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Florida, Japan, and Singapore. Yeah. So, it's, you know, when, when we're born and raised in Los Angeles and we have, you know, Universal right there, we lost Shrek 40 a while ago. And also, I would say in our subconscious as well. Yeah. Shrek 4D became such a part of of the park before the park was a full day park. Yeah. And we would do it almost every time we would get so tired of it because it was one of the, we would know the, the attraction backwards and forwards and we, or we don't want to get rocked by the seats. And so this has been an inanimatronic in our mind for quite a (laughs) lot of years. It doesn't help that, you know, any sort of, 4d film in a theme park just you really can't catch a bunch of new things with with secondary third fourth fifth visits you know like if you go on a ride like jurassic park for example there's lots of things that you can look around you can maybe catch a a new little dinosaur that you didn't notice was there before or some little detail like uh, the barbasol can Whereas when you're watching Shrek 4D, it it's the same movie over and over again. Pre-show changed a uh, little bit, but and and that honestly, I think still holds up pretty decently well. You know, really, the whole experience holds up pretty well, except for the summary of the first movie. But the only sure. I was gonna say but the they only, need it. the only thing that changed were the DreamWorks posters out front yeah. but then it got to a point where those didn't change so yeah and well it, i mean they they would kind of keep adding on is what i remember i remember seeing the monsters versus aliens poster and i was like oh i remember saying shark tale a lot shark tale still haven't seen it probably uh, one of the best decisions i've made in my adult life i tried to give it three to five minutes when it was playing on tv once and i was like no, Jack, I can't do it. It's Jack Black, Angelina Jolie, Will Smith. They're all fish. Well, and fish-like creatures. Underwater f- fam. 
but you know like fin kind fam. of like in a uh, intense city at a, the same a time. Modern underwater fish city with all of the electronic accoutrements but that's not what we're talking about no we're talking about shrek shrek which we're not uh, talking about our fin fam <laughs> which changed dreamworks and uh i would almost say universal theme parks quite drastically that wasn't well i was gonna say that was one of the first major Screen attractions, but it wasn't. Back to the Future was. And even before, and and Terminator 2 was after that. And uh, before we get too far into Shrek, speaking of Terminator 2, it was finally revealed, not revealed, and then revealed <laughs> by uh, Universal Orlando that Jason Bourne, woo Will be having his own stunt-tacular, the Bourne stunt-tacular, opening spring 2020. So the thing about the Jason Bourne stunt-tacular is that th- they're espionage movies. So a lot of the stuff that takes place is personal. It's like one-on-one. It's not like an action figure, t- or it's not like Neo taking on an entire group of Agent Smiths mm-hmm. at a given time, which by sheer volume would put give a lot of actors work and also be very impressive to present every like hour and a half, two hours at a theme park. But... I think we we talked about the rumor yeah. a couple of episodes or a little while ago, I'll say. Sometime, and it, it, it felt like you were kind of calling it because you were saying, you know, this is kind of like the one solid franchise that Universal has that they could do some sort of a good stunt show with. They could do something different. And, and now that it has been announced, I'm not any more excited about it. Just because there's been a lot of time for it to gestate, and it's it's the same thing that most theme parks do, is they can't not bet on a sure thing, so they have to wait for a franchise to be sort of on the decline and in the general headspace. A lot of uh, like TV airing, like you can watch the whole series. I think you can watch the whole series some Saturday on TNT or TBS or whatever. And then go to Universal Orlando and live the experience. But I don't know what sort of form momentum the franchise has. USA is doing a limited series right now called Treadstone, which takes place in the universe. And it follows other sleeper agents like Jason Bourne that were... Uh, placed into society by Treadstone. And it's an interesting idea, but a lot of the main stuff isn't showing these big bombastic action scenes. It's showing one-on-one intrapersonal fighting scenes. So putting that on a big stage, like unless they really, they put the camera in and they show you certain techniques. There's one stunt. There's one stunt from a was it from a, yes it was there was one stunt from a no that was from a Bond movie never mind I was gonna say um yeah never mind absolutely never mind but it it, it similarly to Bond at least what was another rumored franchise that was gonna be taking yeah. the spot and it has those big or at least modern Bond um, Daniel Craig Bond has a and and. Pierce Brosnan, I would say too, have a like huge bombast. Eh, there, there's some classic stuff too. Don't get on, don't get on my back. Well, and I think the problem with having gone with James Bond would have been that because 
I think Craig has like one more Bond film and then he's being recast. Sure, but... Th- so then they would have to like film a new movie. And I think right now... Wait, it, I th- it's, is, it, is it a movie? Or it's not a live... So Born Stuntacular is going to be very similar to T2 3D, aka Terminator 2 3D, uh, where it was both featuring live actors on stage and then transitioning into 3D film and then going back and forth. So well then here here so here's the thing. Different Bond actors has been a staple of the series for a very long time mm-hmm. whereas technically there has only been one Jason Bourne. And Matt Damon I don't think is doing any more of those films. So They're shooting one there's one in production right now. Bourne 6. Oh my god. Um eh. Right. But you know what that, I'm figuring too is that probably the filmmakers and the actors like there might be some filmmaking delays because originally the the stunt show was rumored to be opening sometime at the end of this year maybe 2019 they, yes so perhaps they had to push things back a little bit with production schedules special effects and the like but I mean I'm excited uh, <laughs> I I haven't. I, I personally have not watched the Bourne films. I'm going to try to now. However, I will say I didn't really watch the Terminator films either. Like they would kind of be in the background. I know I've seen at least the first or the second one um, pretty much the whole way through. But I just I can't remember a ton of details. But I went to that attraction all the time and i i didn't love it any less the amount of time you spent at the attraction you probably could have watched the movies a couple times even just terminator 2 like terminator 2 has it's weird it's sort of the prototype of the late life sequel where or the the retro sequel where it's 10 15 20 years later and you didn't need to see the original, but we're going to give you what you need to know to enjoy the story. And Terminator 1, because Term, Terminator 1 is a noir film, and Terminator 2 is a straight-up action film. And as people call it one of the best sequels of all time, but if you look at stylistically and certain story threads and certain this, certain that, duh. But as a movie, it's so bloody entertaining. And, and there are so many things that stick with you once you watch it. And while the Terminator franchise hasn't necessarily continued in the strongest... Uh, what's, what's the best word? Critical light? They are on Terminator 6. And Cameron is back for this one that Dark is Fate. currently and in production. So it's it, there's this next one that's coming out. The Terminator, the T-1... Thousand, yes, the T one thousand was just released as a downloadable character for Mortal Kombat, and watching some of the DLC or watching some of the videos of him, it's it's rad. <laughs> you know, Mortal Kombat likes using a lot of uh, licensed sci-fi and horror characters, but did, man, did they make a slow-moving robot not? And unfortunately. Not voiced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, Aww. a very, well, I mean, a very entertaining character. He, he's kind of having, he is well deserved to kind of just be at a state of where he gets to do whatever he wants. Not only was he an actor, but he was also the governor of California yeah, for he, some time. He's done a lot, and he's doing a lot for 
this he's doing a lot for society yeah not just being an actor but he's a he seems to be a genuinely good dude and and it's weird that terminator 2 closed I, w- I bet they were hoping that one of these Terminator movies was going to stick. M- hope maybe uh, Sarah, Chron- Sarah Connor Chronicles was going to stick and they get a movie and then they get to make a new... Like, I can't imagine the the movie company putting it out, waiting to hear a reaction and being like, we want to keep some version of the show alive because it is very popular. And now with all of the creative goodwill that dark fate seems to be receiving you got it like this is this is the last one yeah if they make this work then i bet universal is going to shoot themselves like oh we shot ourselves in the foot twice we could have kept terminator in the parks in some way maybe that allows another opportunity for terminator to be to be in universal parks that's true well well, maybe instead of getting uh, a film maybe we could get a full-on ride Maybe a la, like, uh, Transformers, for example. I think that that would be actually really cool. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I, if uh, no, You know what I want? Huh. I want an Indiana Jones-esque adventure with, yeah. with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, so Sarah cool. Connor. That'd be so cool. It'd be, it'd be rad. And it, it's also, you're looking, you could, similarly to the... How have they not done this? Similarly to the Stormtroopers. Well, remember, like, they're his political career and blah, blah, like, I know, et cetera, et cetera. but I, but didn't like teach you close like just before he became the governor. No, just at, no way after. Or I, I mean, at least, at least for Hollywood, that's no. what I'm mixing it no, up. No, no, no. It was open while he was the governor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was a weird time. So man. imagine the rise of the resistance, all of the hubbub that it's mm-hmm. getting about that stormtrooper scene on the deck of the Star Destroyer. Now imagine that same number oh my gosh. Of, of either T-1000s or just straight up Arnold Schwarzenegger's. <laughs> Come with us if you want to live. That would be wild. Like, eh. Anyway, it, that, it's, it's sad. I'm a big fan of the Jason Bourne books. I read, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that the movie series, well, the movie series went in a different direction. Mm. As the, they always do. They took some of the basic elements and just sort of... But the each book could be a miniseries. And I think the Ludlum estate, Robert Ludlum, the author, the Ludlum estate wants that now once all of the all of this matt Matt damon business is taken care of bucket once once the (laughs) matt damon business is is taken care of they'll probably move to have some sort of a mini series with a new younger thing a new younger actor and uh stick a little bit closer to the books and and maybe do a book Mm. per mini series that seems to be the new popular thing and yeah um there's there's another thing uh, that's happening in Orlando right now bees? too. Bees. Bees. So, <laughs> I I feel really bad for Universal Orlando's team because they've been having uh, Hagrid's is going through growing pains, right? Like they have to either close the ride early during the day or open it late because they're doing additional testing because you know something came up before just before the ride was going to open and and they're trying to work out the kinks um and you know this is a very technically complex ride it's also you know why 
one can say, oh, well, we're waiting longer for Rise of the Resistance because they're also having technical problems, though they seem to be on the right track now, so I'm super excited for that. But now something completely out of Universal's control, honeybees, which are protected- Bees in the state of Florida decided to hang out around the roller coaster of Hagrid's and uh, they had to shut the coaster down because they didn't want people getting stung. It could have been really bad and they can't just move them. So they had to, you know, call out bee experts to kind of get things going And initially they did. This was kind of around the end of September. Taken care of. Great. Let's get back to it. And I will also say the the week leading up to this incident, Hagrid's was actually having a good, smooth sailing week of running around. And then the beginning of October comes around and the bees, a whole swarm of them, decide to come down on Hagrid's again. There is something about Hagrid's that just makes the bees go crazy. It's in the Forbidden Forest. Which is fair. They're, they're probably like, ooh, this is this is a nice place to hang out. I want to hang out with some magical creatures. It and cursed. Yeah. Maybe we'll get mutated by hanging out with them. Maybe we'll become magical bees. Mad bees? They, they want to interact, too. They want to be part of the Harry Potter universe. They're all so. big. They're all big fans. <laughs> You know, you know, it's a sit-in protest for a B-movie attraction. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're, like, we're waiting for it to die down so that we can go and ride on that ride, but it won't die down. I want to go on this ride so badly, and I keep watching social media to just see, like, okay, when is it going to calm down? When is the line going to be chill? When can I feel realistically, like, Buying a ticket to the park is going to guarantee me to get on this ride because right now I don't feel confident doing that. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that's not doing them any favors yeah. right now in the ticket department either. Though I, I mean, it's it's horror nights; people are going True. for ulterior motives and various things. But when it comes to Christmas, people are probably going to go specifically to see Potter. I don't know what else they would want to see. Well, in and Christmas I mean the mode. decorations are going to they're they're fantastic. I'm I'm super psyched to try I to am see Optimus it. Claus. Like what else is gonna have <laughs> Christmas decor? Actually, I would like similarly to how last year around this time we were talking about Halloween layovers that we wanted to see, and I was I gave a lot of stuff about Treehouse of Horror, the yeah. Sim- Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, the ride, which you should go back and listen to. Head on Anchor.fm or iTunes or wherever you're listening. Make sure to, excuse me, go back. Only some of that stuff is dated. Yeah. But uh, go go check it out. Um, and and back to sort of the spooky spooky attraction that we were talking about here. Spooky in not even name only, unless you find Trek terrifying, which some do. I mean, a lot of the villagers find him absolutely terrifying. That that's what he that's what he relies on. This is the part where you get the joke. So, <laughs> uh, so Shrek 4D, not too complicated of a history. Shrek was popular. They went, hey, and then they made this. Okay, th- that's an <laughs> oversimplification. That's a bit of an Jesus. intro. Jesus, all right. 
Okay, let's back up a little bit here because Shrek was born out of anger by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, I I, I hear hereby present you your soapbox about all um, of the Di- all of the Disney bo- uh, books that you've been uh, reading lately. <laughs> Disney War basically explains the entire prelude to why Jeffrey Katzenberg was angry with Disney. Uh, long story short, Katzenberg had been led to believe, also kind of promised essentially, that he was going to take a former uh, head Frank Wells position, which is kind of the who was second to Michael Eisner at the time. And Eisner said, nah. I'm just going to do everything myself. And Jeffrey was upset. He was like, I was promised this and this in my contract. You led me to, you told me I was going to have the job. And Michael Eisner, he kind of has a a funny history of, you know, making promises and saying things to certain executives and then not following through. He seemed uh, very anxious to give additional responsibility that would potentially conflict or undermine him in any way. And he also wasn't confident that Jeffrey Katzenberg was going to be a good negotiator and talker with other companies and other higher ups because he could rub people the wrong way. Which, you know, is a fair criticism, of course. But still, when you make promises to somebody and they're, they've been working really hard and working with you for essentially two decades, you, you gotta pay up. Like, you can't tell that to the head of animation that has single-handedly made sure that the, the Disney renaissance came to be. Single-handedly... As a as an executive, from the, if from the animation standpoint, that was all Jeffrey. Because as far as Michael Eisner was concerned, and also Frank Wells at the time, they were pretty much gearing up to just shut down animation. But Jeffrey stood by those animators. He he spent pretty much every waking hour of his life strengthening the department and making sure that that legacy would maintain and that those animators would have jobs mm-hmm. that, well, that that's what I, I meant is or what i was implying is not just katzenberg but the animation team and, sure. and those creatives and things like that absolutely and, it, and of course roy disney too he worked very hard to to support animation that was very much something that he was concerned about from the get-go but i will say from from what I believe and what I have done through my research, I have seen that Jeffrey was kind of the fire under everyone's ass. And uh, a lot of the animators and, and people working at animation, they would say, yeah, he can be kind of a jerk. But at the same time, look what he pushed us to do, which is why when Jeffrey said to Michael Eisner, OK, I don't have a future here at Disney because you're not going to promote me like you said you would. I'm going to leave. And he partnered up with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen and opened up DreamWorks SGK. SKG. SKG, sorry. 
Um, and he took a lot of the Disney animators with him because he was like, I know you guys deserve to be paid more. Disney has not been paying you enough for all of the hard work that you do. And this was something, too, that, you know, had been kind of negotiated. Michael Eisner would be, he was kind of being tight about his expenditures. He didn't really want to pay for, like, top, (laughs) really nothing. Not even for, like, top talent. Like, he would actively say, don't hire a big celebrity when you do these films because it's just going to be too expensive. Let's... He liked to do things cheaply if he could. Like, he didn't start out that way, but Euro Disney kind of kicked him down pretty heavily and he got really tight with the purse strings, which was also kind of ridiculous because the company had money to spend. And then just uh, accident after accident through through bad decisions just started started a really bad trend. Yeah, and... and- all of the stuff with Katzenberg and, I, and Eisner, it I, I'm not gonna say it's it's hard or easy to take sides, but it they're both no, they, they, there's a lot of spite and and yeah. one one of the things that that we learned we uh, recently looked at one per episode and especially how apropos he's been burping plenty of times, ladies and gentlemen. What anyway, don't I was yeah I was gonna I was gonna say something that I'm not. Hey, this is the banter you want marriage. Um, marriage is what us. brings bucket. Um, but in in terms of quote picking sides, there's a lot of bitterness on both ends, and you would hope that in trying to one up each other, the quality would reflect that. Right. And there are places where one side would get a blow, the other side would get a blow, and when it came to this. This was the the Shrek fran- not just DreamWorks, but Shrek specifically. This was, I would say, the the first huge commercial and creative blow. Yeah, that DreamWorks dealt because Prince and of, prestige uh, and prestige. Pr- Prince of Egypt is is and was and will be an amazing film. I love Prince of Egypt. It, but it did like and now there's a musical and and like it's one of those things that will stand the test of time. But Spirit, you know, it eventually got a Stallion of the Cimmeron 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 of the Cinnamon. Cinnamon it it is kind of a cinnamony horse. So the cinnamon horse eventually did get as all DreamWorks franchises did, an animated series after the fact. Road to El Dorado is another cult classic, but Shrek. Shrek dominated the common popular culture, still does. It rules meme culture with an iron fist. Yeah. And music. No one will ever dethrone Smash Mouth's all-star. Which, fun fact, if you didn't know... That song was placed in the opening kind of a, as a uh, working well, as a sort of song. The, yeah, they, in in production a lot of thing a lot of people go, "Eh, this is w- this is the kind of song we want here." And so when they were testing Shrek to test audiences, they had All-Star there and the audiences loved it so much that they were like, "Okay, we'll keep it." Another fun fact about 
Smash Mouth's All Star is it was a song made in conjunction with one of my favorite superhero movies, Mystery Men. But I remember I that was one of the many music videos that I taped off of MTV. Yeah. But people associate it so hard with Shrek, but it was Mystery Men and there's another one too. I can't remember, but there's another movie that featured All Star pretty pretty heavily it's in a couple of films because it's a it's one of it's just one of those songs yeah. it's like a guy who who has a or it's a person who has a face and you're like ah you have one of those faces it's one of those it's one of those <laughs> yeah. songs it's like it's it's <laughs> like bands trying to come up with like a sound and this and that and it's like all right cool great all right we're feeling it and then at, by the end of it they're like did we just write all-star we just wrote all-star <laughs> We'll, we'll never be Smash Mouth. Like, uh-huh. constant critical acclaim. People redo, especially thanks to meme culture. Yeah. Like, they, they I enjoy, I say enjoy. I enjoyed their their first two records. They had some good stuff. You know, Walking on the Sun was, I think, their first major <sighs> hit. But then, so there was that. That there song was is what you want to play when you are swimming in a swimming pool. When the and morning is... comes. Do, 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 do. And it was also, it was, you know what it was? It was like weird 50s um what's what's but futuristic at the same time it w- <laughs> like it was kind of a newer sound if if streets of fire was the 80s 50s uh smash mouth <laughs> was the 90s 50s yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a layered reference for everybody but all the like the the downfall of katzenberg's uh disney career the the popularity of certain types of humor and while andrea and i have discussions all the time about certain childish humor not being the right type of humor to permeate to a younger audience this was something that was inherent with the character at least something that we were presented and so this just whole culture and generation of uh belchers and and gas purveyors was which is why i can burp on on this podcast and somebody will find it funny well also but also shrek was the line from shrek was the one that i told you when earlier when we were dating was better out than (laughs) in i always say which then sort of was just like why why would you have to keep that to yourself like you're gonna you're gonna sit with that gas bubble all day i i guess in some ways you you do not look like an ogre by any means, so I I, I preface what I'm about to say. Okay. Okay. But you know, my mother raised me to. She wanted me to be very ladylike, you know, very Disney princess esque, and uh, I I was not given permission <laughs> to do anything that would not be deemed ladylike in her presence. So say I had a Pepsi after Pepsi. getting uh, Taco Bell after going to school. When it's very sugary. So sugary. And there's all these bubbles just rolling around and just a little bit would just push itself up. And I would try to mute Buh? my burp as Buh? best as I could. And I I would not burp at any other time. But like even if a little bit of a sound came out and my mother would be driving, she would just her eyes would flash and she would glare at me like I had just said a really dirty word in her presence. I didn't know your mom was Julie Andrews. Oh my god. Looking at the cast list. 
and see and trying to remember who voiced Queen Lillian, oh, sh- whose yep. name is Queen Lillian. <laughs> That's weird. Fiona's mom. That that is so weird. Uh, yeah, I re- I remember it was a British actress. Who was it? Oh, it was just legit Julie Andrews and John Cleese as as Fiona's parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh uh, get what are you doing in my swamp? Uh, <laughs> uh, Shrek was so a lot. A lot of people talk about Shrek as sort of a direct response to Disney. And while, yeah, there's definitely elements, and you can't tell a fairy tale fairy tale story without certain fairy tale creatures. the The movie was in development for ten years. Yeah, it was in development hell. I I really feel bad for that team. Uh, and and they nearly went bankrupt trying to make this movie, but they were convinced, you know, with every single adjustment that they were making, like they needed to do this because first they had cast Chris Farley to voice Shrek, and uh, unfortunately he he took his own life on accident through a drug overdose in the middle of production. And then they needed to recast the voice. And then they bring Mike Myers in. And he's doing a great job. He's recorded all of his dialogue. Great. The animators are then able to start animating to, you know, coordinate with the voice acting and the dialogue. And then after six months of that happening. I think it was 40% of the animation was, was done or being worked or was near final. Something like that. They they had done quite a bit. Um, they they had done at least four million worth of work, um, and uh, he comes back to the producers and he's like, uh, "Actually, can we scratch all of my dialogue? I need to re-record it in a Scottish accent." Okay. And he performed it in front of the producers, and they were like, "Okay, legit, he's on to something." So they threw it out and they started from scratch again. But this movie, when it finally came out, it just clicked because it was it w- it was com- it was not something that we had seen before. We hadn't seen something that was so blatantly referential with pop culture in mm. such an aggressive way in animated as a, film. As a family animated film, yeah, you know it. it Maybe you would see that in you know live action, for example. I, I would say like Police Academy. Or, yeah. Or there, there, there's a parody genre, a spoof genre, but this still had its own rules and its own lifeblood, and only you. It, and it, it, it was in a weird spectrum where it landed right in the middle of a straight up spoof, as well as a, an original. Like it is an original story yeah. based off of a children's book that. They kind of they they had a bit of you know there was still there was some essence left in that but ultimately what we got was this irreverent like it was treated like a regular comedy movie I think that that was another thing yeah is it was one of those movies where where it was just sort of recognized as a film that was animated which is a weird way to yeah put that. like if you take a look at the poster for example you see the the giant s the s. And you just see the the main characters kind of just like leaning and, you know, they're, they're cutesy or funny little poses kind of saying what the character is. It's not some big fantastical thing. You know, it's it's just, you know, clouds in the background. It, it's very 
it's very chill, but it is 100% like, okay, this is, this is different. Like, the, it is a fairy tale, but it is, uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It can be looked at in, in one way as very heavy handed with the jokes, but it is still a really solid story. It translates onto things like Broadway. It has a really decent musical actually that you can watch okay i i know you're gonna judge me but i like it okay now i don't live your truth okay um i don't necessarily find the music itself per se amazing like nothing really has keeps playing in my head i mean it also feels wrong to not have all star in the well, there, musical. There's a lot like the soundtrack has a lot of iconic songs. Like it's got yeah. Hallelujah in it. It's got Joan Jett, uh, Bad Reputation. Like there's a lot of great pop songs and pop. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Uh, I, I, uh, that really threw me off. I'm sorry. I'm a believer. I know. Um, Thank you, Eddie Murphy. Donkey, uh, but it, it, it's it's he one of those. did such a good job. Donkey, but it's one of <laughs> it, to in order to properly like they help convey the story so much as a a pop culture product that by giving it original music, I think kind of does it a bit of a disservice and does the story a bit of a disservice. Unlike um, something like I f- I feel like they're trying to go for a Monty Python vibe, like a, a Holy Grail. Mm. vibe but like holy grail made or in monty python rather made they all made their own music and it was there were places for it and and the one actual musical number that they have in monty monty python and the holy grail they made this huge show-stopping number that it deserved they sort of elevated everything whereas shrek you already had the top level, top level. You had all of <laughs> like the stuff that fit perfectly with the tone that you were trying to make, and so that makes it a little bit harder. So it makes sense to me as to why it wouldn't necessarily land as strongly. Yeah, um, I I did, however, I really enjoy the banter between Shrek and Fiona on the stage. Like you get to see that develop a little bit more, which from a story perspective is something that I really enjoy seeing. For me, the weirdest thing is watching Shrek sing. That was kind of my first, like, this is not, from how I see Shrek, I can't imagine him actually singing, but because it's a musical, you have to have your leading man sing. You can't not have him sing. Well, I mean, part of the show, or part of the the story and the movie is no singing, like, He's, yeah, he is overtly against that type of thing, and and you, waffles. And, well, no, event <laughs> he comes around, but ultimately it's one of those things Shake where if it's not true to the character, why are we doing it? And then that's like, well, this isn't true to the blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's a lot. But the the franchising on this movie is ridiculous. I we watched up to number three, four Shrek four ever after was uh. I saw a work in progress screening of Puss in Boots hmm. and I thought it was okay. I thought I thought it was okay. And then there's a Puss in Boots series and then there were like the Shrek Christmas uh, Shrek the Halls. I do want to see Shrek the Halls. I think we watched I thought we watched it. 
if we have, I've blacked it out, Cause, cause as I have with many things. The babies but were in it. The babies are so weird. Yes. Well, that's something we're going to have to move on to as well. But we are jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit. I don't so, think, I don't think, well, I mean, the the phenomena phenomenon that is Shrek. Sure. Phenomena. That's a single. No, that's that's the plural of phenomenon. Yes. Yes, but but sort of <laughs> capturing that f- dragon's fire in a bottle. That that is Shrek, and they went. We can merchandise the crap out of this. And. They were the first from the Academy Awards to win the award for best animated feature. They they kicked Disney out of that honor, and I'm sure that is still a sore spot with Disney. You to remember this what day. what they beat, right? I don't actually. Monsters Incorporated. Oh, that's right. And yes. it was it was such a huge. Monsters Inc. is such a beautiful film, and it, it really and it ends is, and gives you such like a bitter like a hap it's such a, a pure happy moment that pixar was known for and it's it's first also bugs life it's first couple of forays into into film i like bugs life i'm just giving it crap but <laughs> shrek was shrek was undeniable yeah it, it it was a force that you had to reckon with and so this was 2001 and they were already like, okay, great. We're going to start franchising this like crazy. Let's let's make a sequel. Let's get going. And they talked to Universal and it was like, okay, let's let's put in a 4D attraction. And this was like DreamWorks' first real special baby. So they were like, we got to do this really, really well. So they had the original team all the original voice talent even jeffrey katzenberg himself oversaw the entirety of this production to make sure that this was a seamless transition in between films one and two so it really is uh, an authentic canonical sequel to the first film and you can watch it on Netflix if you haven't been able to enjoy it in the park. We referred to it at the top of the show as the Ghost of Lord Farquaad. That is the feature name, the the short name that it was uh, that it was given. the The crew on this was was pretty wild for a twelve minute short to have Mike Myers, Annie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow, uh, directed by Simon J. Smith, who was a animation supervisor for DreamWorks essentially his entire career started in 1997 but he supervised layouts on Shrek on Ants uh, but his first direction was on Shrek 4D he moved on to the far far away idol short that was with uh, uh, Shrek 2 and his first feature direction was B-movie and then he he directed the Megamind short that came out with the DVD release the Button of Doom and then he uh, he was a director on the uh, the Penguins of Madagascar series, so he he did a lot within yeah. DreamWorks, and he stuck to his guns. And of all of those, I would say Shrek 4D is is kind of a big uh, sticking point. Like it's how more people, I, I think I can say confidently, more people in the world have watched Shrek 4D. In no matter what name you call it by, probably than any film in the Shrek franchise. 
Like even more than the first Shrek. I would say so because the the lifespan of this attraction are open what 2002 2003. That's true, and the other thing and too is, is that Universal Park and and because the attraction did also open overseas in non-Universal Parks as well. Yeah, means uh, that, Germany. Yeah, in brain. Uh, movie Park Germany and uh, Warner Brothers Movie Park, which they they were sort of like brother sister parks. Those would be numbers I would be intrigued to see. But in any case, I would be surprised if someone didn't know who Shrek was. Oh, Shrek's uh, what, a household name. I, Shrek, Mario, Mickey Mouse, Pikachu. Like, like, there's a lot of children's characters these days. <laughs> that one character, Fortnite, uh, Donkey. <laughs> but I, I, 100%, I would say Shrek. Now, if you, if you look at the ones the one through 10 year olds i think people are con- primarily consuming shrek as a meme right now probably because it's been one week it's been almost 20 years since the release of the first shrek in 2 years time less than 2 years time will be the 20th anniversary of shrek that's crazy but in in that time now like once that hits there's like people our age that are parents that are gonna that either have or haven't shown Shrek off to to their kids, and people go, oh, they made a movie about the meme. I entirely believe that there's going to be a uh, a generation where people are gonna think that the meme came before the movie. <sighs> but that's 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 society, baby. Yeah, but, it it just it really amazes me how you know you have the internet at your fingertips you have literally all of the world's answers right there and uh people don't look for it why would i want to watch an hour and a half movie when i can watch this meme compilation that's 10 minutes what else are you gonna do with all your free time watch that same compilation 13 times (laughs) but okay so the so the attraction i told you not to do that and here you did it that like, and that is also primarily your pop filter. <laughs> How does that feel? It's like a, it's like a, a, a physical and mental grossness. Like, is that me? <laughs> but I'm it, not it, touching that with a ten foot pole. Uh, much like Shrek detractors, I was trying to get back on on track. Um, but before we continue, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank everybody who's been listening to our show. Um, we got. We got a little bit of, of social, I say social play, but we got a response from uh, Joe Mama 1969. Uh, based on the latest Party of Two podcast, it seems that one of Mark B. Donica's wedding vows was till dab do we part. Man, if I could retroactive, I mean, we have the book. I can put it on my on my pad where I wrote my vows. <laughs> I haven't dabbed at all for the last five minutes. But uh, thank you, Joe, for for watching the show. Uh, yes, thank really, you. Really, or watching the show, listening to the show, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you have a comment for us, leave it either on our YouTube page or just tweet at us at Party of Two Pod. Also, questions. We would be happy to answer any random questions that you may have about Disney, Universal, the parks, or even about us. Let's start a dialogue. What about us? Oh, I keep hitting the oh. wrong button on my phone um but it's your 
big thumbs. It's my big. It's your Shrek thumbs. Hashtag big donkey. What a hashtag. <laughs> uh, big, <laughs> hashtag big thumbs. But uh, also make sure to support us by going to our T Public. We are going to be debuting some new stuff. Uh, we put out a new version of our logo shirt, which uh, I I'm a big fan of our logo. Thanks to Clement W for providing that to us. Um, but also, um, we, we're, we're going to be slowly trudging out some new stuff. There's a sale going on right now at T sale. If you're, li- huh. if you're listening <laughs> to this, uh, close to there, there are pretty frequent sales. So if you go to tpublic.com slash party of two pod, uh, you can check out some of our design uh, designs out there. We have one for electronica. Our most popular design is our no jumping high fives because it's amazing. People it is it. so addictive. It is endearing, and I will always remember that small child. Always, but uh, hey, mom, no jumping no, high fives. No jumping high fives. I think we explained so that in an earlier episode. Go yeah, back, it was, go back and listen. It, I'm pretty sure it was season one, like a long time ago. It was a minute. But uh, thank you so much for your support. Um, also, go support our friends at Nerd Mountain. They're wonderful uh, creators as well. They have all sorts of merchandise as well, and. We might we're working on a collaboration with them to to put up somehow. Um, so check them out nerdmountain.com nerdmountainshop.com excuse me. Um, and and then the the last thing I'll say about this is uh, tell tell your friends if you like theme parks if you like uh, like we're we're trying to build this community out and uh, could appreciate share with a friend uh, leave us a, a a way to make us I'm interrupting all of my sentences with other sentences it's this really popular podcasting technique that i developed over the last eight years of being a terrible person he's spasming right now you guys i don't know what to do uh, but i'm not dabbing so uh wherever you are uh wherever you're listening to the show if you're listening to us via podcast please leave us a review stars a written review what have you if you're on youtube leave us a comment subscribe like the more activity the way that all of these mediums work is the more activity on them, the more people see them. So especially with like iTunes or podcasting, we would really appreciate some reviews there. We'll read them on air and uh, with YouTube, some comments. Uh, we, we stirred the pot a little bit too much with our last episode of uh, my favorite thumbnail that I've done so far uh, with the Skyliner crash. But uh, yeah, I'm so sorry, Bob. I really am. Just Mark Bob. got so excited and That's I couldn't just, dis- I couldn't discourage him. He's the president of them parks. By the way, Bob Chapek has not said anything about the Skyliner. Oh, and uh, if you are listening now, Bob. since uh, I- I'm saying to our regular audience, oh, I misunderstood. No, no, um, the Skyliner is back up and running, which is great. They have reduced hours, so if you do visit Walt Disney World at all, just keep an eye on the app so that you don't plan on going between Epcot and Hollywood Studios, for example, and get stuck somewhere. Yeah, because be uh, the, they're really looking at the Hollywood station because that's where the... Oh, no, it happened at Epcot. Either, regardless, um, t- going back to... Uh, th- thank you for listening to the show and, and help spread the word. Uh, we're, we're trying to make a real go with this thing. So uh, talking about Shrek 4D, we, we've... How many times total do you think we've been on that ride? Right, that, experience. Yeah, show. it's always weird with, you know film attractions i i call them attractions more than rides typically but your your seats move so i mean you you are getting kind of a ride experience terminator 2 3d the ride the experience the governor 
they, it, you know, it builds itself as a ride, yet there's really only one major movement was the like the lifting of the seats and the dropping of the seats. Yeah. Whereas with this, there was a lot more kinetic motion more frequently. Ugh, the freaking, so the sequence where you're following the uh, the chase when they're in the little onion buggy. When Thelonious captures Fiona and takes her away. Yeah. The blah, 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 blah. Oh. <laughs> it would go on for so long. So I mean, long. at least I knew how long it would be, but I'd just be like, this is going on too. I'm not comfortable. I think there are a couple of times. Or Thank God it was padded. Well, there are also a couple of times. I think early on they started offering non-moving seats. That's true. And yes. we did switch to those fairly early, unless we were bringing like a new person on the ride. Yeah, and the thing too is we went a lot in high school. You guys, we had annual passes, and we would get all of our friends to get annual passes too because it would be buy a day get a year free which was an amazing deal it was also when they had the dining plan yeah and that was literally robbery <laughs> we're sorry no limits. no limits just right we we were poor teenagers just going off of the the few couple of bucks that our parents would give us but we would go there all the time and when Trek 40 opened, huge lines and kept on going for quite a few years, at least in Hollywood. I can't really speak for Orlando, but I remember waiting for that attraction on average for 45 minutes to an hour in, in peak summery-ish times or, or spring break, for example. At the same time, that was still when Universal was kind of a low-yield park. It, yeah. it did house a lot of people but it was walkthroughs it was demonstrations it was shows like the wild wild west or the wild wild west stunt show maybe it's a couple there's another wild yeah Either there way, was one more wild 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 west stunt show there was a lot of there was a lot more shows and uh, experiences than there were rides and this was sort of other than back to the future the tram E.T. In Jurassic Park. In Jurassic Park. This this was sort of like the... And the, backdraft at the time, I, I say think. ride. I would say Fair. this, in terms of a ride versus experience, this was kind of a middle ground. Yeah. There was still a screen, there was movement, and it it felt a lot more directly kinetic than, let's say, the Jim, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon race across New York, uh, which is, is just woof. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> Uh, it, it was. Day. It still was something, and it had a big, viable, r- like, vibe to it. It was. Sh- it, no kid was gonna go and say, "Oh, let's not do Shrek," and maybe some teens were like, "Yeah, this appeals to my sensibilities as a rebellious teenager." And the adults would enjoy it too. And I, I think that was also one of the great reasons for universal to jump on the shrek franchise and distribute that from a park standpoint because universal did not own uh dreamworks at the time now comcast (laughs) owns universal owns dreamworks animation but that didn't happen until 2016 so this is a long ways back but they saw i think this might have also been one of the this might have been the first franchise that universal put into their parks that wasn't something that they had actually created um hanna-barbera that's right 
Uh, there's there's probably a couple. I mean, there's stuff with Nickelodeon. They didn't own Nickelodeon. That's true. Or may, uh, no, that's not true. Mm. May, at some point, they owned Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I have do, the Rugrats theme in my head. Do 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 do. Um, but the great thing about Trek was that literally everybody in the family could enjoy it. And that that was something that Universal was also sorely missing in their park. The fact that it had, you know, the the jokes on fairy tales that the kids were also invested in because they had had plenty of exposure to it. And also turning on that head all of the adult humor that the parents could pick up. And then it was also cool franchise that teenagers enjoyed too really you had everybody satisfied to check this attraction out so i would say that it was really one of the best additions to universal at the time at the time and and it's really its legacy is that uh, i mean it's still a a shrek program with the original cast which goes a very long way because now sound alikes are rampant like the shrek the, oh, the shrek sure. that's in the dreamworks theater presentation uh, or the shrek and donkey that's in the or, i don't remember what characters are in there we we did that thing once but <laughs> those characters those actors fine you know for for a kid that does that didn't grow up with the five iterations of mike myers scottish accent they go oh it's a scottish accent and oh that's kind of Eddie Murphy or that's kind of Don- like they're fine and that's not an insult to the actors they're you know they're supposed to be sound alikes they can't necessarily put their own oomph into it if they're trying to sound like something else so having a we're we're back to direct to video land uh like we were at Disney a decade ago two decades oh my god uh in the <laughs> early to, to mid 90s but so this, this, it's still kind of a hot commodity and it it lasted a really long time in terms of bouncing around it bounced around i think the the last release that it got uh physical media was in 2011 2012 as a part of uh there's like a shrek spooky story collect i forgot what it uh, yeah 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 um shrek's it i think it just says dreamworks uh spooky stories shrek's thrilling tales ah that's right that's what it was um there was a i didn't know that there was a comic adaptation of the film what? featured as issue number one of the shrek comic book miniseries published by dark horse comics oh my gosh that's wild we need oh, to yeah. get that the the physical the the physical release of shrek's thrilling tales was the last overall release because it was released in Netflix on 2011. So as that, when, when did this write open? 2002? Uh, 2003. 2003. So almost a decade later, there was still viability to this film, which, you know, as something that's based off of another thing, that's that's pretty good. And I think, honestly, Shrek has a lot more staying power than some people might attribute to it. And when Shrek first came out, too, some of the detractors were saying, oh, well, the movie isn't really that good. People only like it because it has an all-star cast. 
I see what you did there. But then when the sequel came out, the sequel did hella well at the box office. So the detractors had to step back and say, all right, all right, all right, fine. You guys were right. It's pretty entertaining. And it's endlessly memeable. So memeable. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm so glad that it is still here in Orlando. And I'm glad that it is still also in Japan and Singapore. And that is not actually the end of Shrek's story in terms of theme park attractions. A dark ride in Dubai was opened. Not exactly by Universal, per se, but... It's the Motion Gate theme park. That's right. In Dubai. And uh, they kind of do almost the entire ride as, like, a puppet show. A marionette. It, so... They're showing their children uh, while Donkey sits with them to babysit, I imagine, the story of how Shrek and Fiona met. So that's an interesting frame. And they give you a reason as to why it's stylized. but And it's trackless. But the ride is so boring. And and, and in my opinion, pretty bad. It's to me, to me. Like, I remember when we watched it the first time, we were like, what? We were just sitting through the whole thing. Just there's, like, kind there's of a lot of dead air in the attraction. And I think that's kind of one of its problems. There are a couple of interesting show scenes or, or elements there is one part when they're uh, when they're rescuing Fiona in the tower, and Donkey goes across the bridge up above you, and then as you're turning around in your vehicle, you actually see him uh, around a pillar in the center and kind of like talking in your direction. And I thought that that was kind of neat, but the the attraction is kind of like a. A glorified, updated dark ride. It's nothing really that uh, technologically advanced or or interesting. It's not telling you anything new, but it's cute. And I think that it also... I also think that it... uh, I think Shrek has earned the right to have a dark ride. Mm. And I would not mind seeing that concept explored in the universal parks uh, if improved. So one of those, one of the things we've talked about previously is Epic universe. And I, in looking at the map, I probably incorrectly marked the back end of the, I, I don't know why it, it looked a certain way in my head. I think cause it, I think it resembled the old Shrek show building, maybe a little bit mm. more than than the actual film of uh, Duloc of Farquaad's castle. And even, even so, I think there, there could be something there. Epic universe could be a place. If you want to get immersed into these stories, make them a dark, make some dark rides. And Singapore actually has a whole Shrek far, far away land. So it's not like it would be the first time that something like that could be done. Um, I, I think it would be cool to see that. And I mean, that's kind of just a general wish. I think that that's kind of one of those things that Universal could rely upon because if there's one thing that they don't focus on enough, in my opinion, is it's rides for the entire family. And I would like to see them embrace that just a smidge more. 
Yeah, I think they. I mean, with Epic Universe, we. I think the 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 rumors are pretty accurate when it comes to what's going to go where. There's still a little bit of question here, and they go back and listen to our Epic Universe episode if you want to hear us talk about that. But when it comes to Shrek, I know we, I was kind of poo pooing the Jason Bourne franchise, but. I think Shrek does it, as you said, something for the whole family. There's something that everybody can enjoy, and it's this, it's so weird, this icon, this pop culture icon, I named a few, I'll name name another one, similar to like Eric Cartman for the whole family, just (laughs) instead of, or Bart Simpson, where it's just this character that, it's like those characters grown up. It's this little Hellion adult. The the proto-millennial, Shrek. Um, <laughs> Who never leaves their apartment. No, I do. why would I want to leave? I got everything I need right here. Why do I, I don't even like I don't even want to be invited to places and I'm fine with staying home. Whatever. I don't want people so to come. So identifiable. Over. What are all of you people doing at my house? I just want to relax. Please leave me alone. Shrek, please leave me alone. It is kind of funny, too, because, I mean, when when a millennial comes home, they're tired because they're overworked from everything that they've been doing all day. Correct. But Shrek just hangs out in the swamp all day. So what does he have to be all tired and cranky about? I mean, he has to ward off some villain. Like, he's... It, it's, a, it's a mental game. He it's, still goes to bed at night, though. Like, the, the villagers well come sleep? when... Uh, that's true. Poor you know, it's, it's, it's a mental thing. It's, He's in it's, a better place now. It, it's a uh, societal perception of his entire race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting real heavy all of a sudden. But that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking... We're talking... Donkey! We're but, talking... <laughs> speaking of donkey and, and, wine and asses... I need to talk about this thing that I have noticed between Shrek 4D and Mickey's Filler Magic. So both attractions opened in 2003, and technically Mickey's Filler Magic opened a couple of months after Shrek 4D opened. Now, as I mentioned previously, Katzenberg took Disney animators with him, and also similar in this vein... Uh, Imagineers, you know, attraction designers, they will jump between different companies on projects and they most likely talk to each other. And then on top of that, you have both DreamWorks animators and Disney animators working on these two films. So I find it very interesting that at the end of Shrek 4D, you see Tinkerbell crashed behind you into a light and you see her butt and her legs wiggling and then you see at the end of mickey's filler magic donald's buck buck butt duck butt (laughs) (laughs) duck butt duck butt (laughs) and his his little web feet wiggling as well literally in the same place too when you turn around like it's well i would say once Tinkerbell's to the side. Okay, yeah, to, you're right. To the left while you exit. But it, it, but both are to the left. Both are both are kind of centered on their respective wall. That's what I would say. Okay, is they're both centered on their respective wall. There's no the similarities are striking, so that it's very bizarre. 
And and one of the things that was there anything else that you really wanted to talk about with with Shrek 4D? Um, even to this day, just trying to rewatch it, it's still enjoyable. There are still some weird uh, consistency issues that I have with the story. Like, for example, why does Farquaad want to marry Fiona now uh, in death when he uh, spurned her when he saw that she was an ogress? And additionally, does he really think he can hold on to her as both ghosts in the afterlife? I think that that is a a questionable concept. So one of the things that I, I there's another story i'm not gonna say what i was watching because it, it is a bit of a spoiler for that story if people ever intend to watch that or listen to that story mm-hmm. take part in that story um ghosts you know they tend to have unfinished business and when mm-hmm. it comes to farquad he died you know you don't have the exact everything knowledge of of right as it happens and you sort of get filled in near the end but he remembers he remembers a wedding he remembers fiona and and so in that you know he's it's not like he's he's a wandering specter he's still very pretty cognizant and essentially the same character that he was but it's you know i it's not as when it comes to like supernatural stories or sci-fi stories or fantasy stories it's it's not too out of the realm of possibility you know but yeah it, but she's still an ogress like when he's a ghost like he could see that and he could still be prejudiced in that way well what if what if he dealt with his with his his mess what if he's like you know what i don't i don't care that fiona's an ogress i still like i still i still want to fulfill that thing it's not right in terms of what like uh yearning after first of all a married woman and say well were they married yet? Yeah, they got married at the swamp afterwards. Mm. Um, so um, not only a married a married person, but uh, somebody that was not interested in him at all. So that's definitely like a no, and that makes him a lot more of a creepazoid uh, uh, farquad, uh, for lack of a better word. But uh, yeah, like it's he's still evil. He's still a bad guy. He has unfinished business. He wants to kill our heroes. The impetus is enough for a twelve-minute short film, and the fact that we've had Fair. we've had this for sixteen years, the fact that this has existed for sixteen years, is some like film scholars will be. I mean, we're talking about it now, yeah. sixteen years later. So uh, okay, I I would still like to see the scene of him apologizing to her then, you know and trying to be a reformed ghost instead yeah. of just a. I'm going to kill you and then marry you in death, ghost. I want to see apologetic ghost with some ghost flowers, maybe. Well, good news. He did. The thing that (laughs) I want to see. No, sorry. Go ahead. One last thing. How can Dragon's Breath then incinerate ghost presence? Uh, fire, fire is sort of like a purity and a blah blah. blah. That's another fantasy thing. Either way, for me, it's not it's not that much of a stretch, but I can understand. I would ignore it. I did also notice that some of the characters, the the side characters that you see in the pre-show that are locked up and being tortured by Farquaad and Felonius. Uh, they somehow escape, and we never get an explanation and as to how or why. And also not just escape, why. but Jinji. Like, Jinji, 
escapes from Duloc and makes it to the middle of this uh, forest in a gingerbread house. Oh, I love that scene, too. Oh, no, it's fine. And then... They ruin his house, and I feel so bad for him. It's one. I mean, it's not a great joke, but it's one of my favorite jokes because it's told so earnestly. Is yeah. Shrek that that house cost me a lot of dough? Like, because it's not necessarily just a pun. It is a house made out of out of gingerbread. This is the millennial movies. The millennial movie. Yeah. The millennial movie. Like starring like... the emoji movie and Shrek. Oh. Some Shrek wants emojied. Now, the thing that I would want to see improved is uh, the logic of how a donkey with a single hoof could offer licorice <laughs> to... Anyway, I'm, I'm getting too ahead of myself. We've been talking about Shrek for quite some time. And let me put this into perspective. You've been listening to us talk about Shrek for a long time. So we're going to... Hey, gonna, now. We're going to skedaddle. Um, thank you. I hope you're believers at this point. Uh, that was forced. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Party of Two podcast. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Party of Two Pod on uh, Twitter. We also have a Facebook page and uh, YouTube. If you're listening to us on on Anchor or your podcast provider of choice, head on over to YouTube. Uh, there's a couple of things that I've been wanting to do for a while that I think I'm finally just gonna step up and do especially one that today i I was really i was at work i was just like i think it's i think it's time for me to finally do that thing that i've been wanting to do and uh, so that that will exclusively go on you well maybe maybe we'll release it as something else too but uh it will start on youtube because it's very specific um but you could also follow us on our personal social medias andrea where can the folks follow you you can find me at Dole Whip Drea on Twitter and on Instagram. And by the way, I have actually started uh, another podcast with my BFF who is on the West Coast and we are doing an interesting Skype thing, but we are talking about our favorite fandoms called To Ship or Not To Ship, Fandoms Are Us. And I do that podcast with the incomparable Stephanie Zushi. It's a good show. You should listen to it, especially especially if you're uh, like an old school like message board fanfic shipper for no reason other than these folks are OG. But we, of course, we we talk a lot about the ships, and that's the primary focus. But we talk a little bit about the stories as well, and what we love about them, uh, and give a, a little bit of context as well. For example, we've talked about. Uh, one of our favorite television shows that is also on Netflix, which uh, you can also find the Shrek content on, uh, called Lucifer. And it is shooting its final fifth season right now. And now we are currently recording uh, individual Harry Potter episodes, which is so much fun <laughs> because I am such a Potterhead. And... Uh- you can find me at Mark Budonica on Twitter and Instagram. I I don't have a filter. So thank you for <laughs> listening uh, to the Party of Two podcast. Make sure to share with your friends. We really, uh, we really appreciate you sticking around until this ride was ogre. 